Hallelujah. Welcome back into the house of the Lord. God is good. And all the time, it is good to see you in the house of the Lord. I want you to turn your Bibles into Romans chapter 12. And uh, we will read the whole chapter at the appropriate time. But I want us to look at the word today as we're looking at um, the topic, how to be a unique people. How to be a unique people. Last week, we looked at what God requires of us in worship. Leviticus chapter 10. We read from verse 1 all the way to verse 3. And we saw that God requires two things. What are those two things, class? If you remember, two things. He requires that we see him as holy and that he is glory, glorious. Those two things. And we said there's no way you can be in the presence of the Lord worshiping because he's holy and all the glory goes unto him and you remain the same. There's just no way. The more you see God for who he is, the more you see yourself for who you really are. And, and when you are at that point, God just has to have his way in your life. So this is an extension of that. Um, how to be a unique people. What, what, what is it to be a unique people? It's to be a people that are set apart. A people that are peculiar. A people who have been in the presence of the Lord are not like any other people. There's a difference. When you live, when you meet with the people who have been in the presence of God, you can notice there's something about this woman, there's something about this man. And when you dig deep, you realize they've been in the presence of God. And they are continually in the presence of the Lord. That's why everything they say, everything about them is a blessing. They are still people. They get hungry. They get tired. They, 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 they blow their fuse sometimes. But they are people who are in the presence of God. And that's all that matters. Because it would be better for us not to leave the mountain where God is. I'm not going to the promised land without God. Amen? So, why we are looking at how to be a unique people is that right now the world is in a state of flux. A state of flux is a state where things are just unstable. It's, it's unpredictable what is happening in the world right now. And the only constant that we have right now in the world is change itself. We are assured that things are changing. Amen? We are sure that things are changing. But in terms of something that is stable, something that, is, that we can hold on to, things are always changing. Not long ago they said mask up. Now they are saying double mask up. And then they are saying no, zinc does not work in terms of uh, fighting COVID. Excuse me? It's on CNN website. And, and I read that yesterday. I was like, this year. But they are saying, no, not, not against COVID. Zinc is good, but not in the fight against COVID. So things keep on changing. We are not so sure. People are looking for something to, to, to hold on, something that will give hope, something that will give direction, something we can say this is our anchor. Right now, where we are, 
And as I'd been praying and thinking about this, I realized God has placed us in the world to be salt and light. We are the right people to show up at a time like this and be the light. No matter how God does it. One sister got sick, hit by COVID, goes to a hospital. We're all busy praying and so on. She's in the hospital and she begins to realize if people don't have hope and she begins to pray for people there. She, she herself is a patient. And, and it's things like those that begin to challenge me and say, am I a light, am I salt where I am in the midst of, of all these things? Am I? Because while we are busy talking about all the 6.2 billion and the allowances and everything, you look at what other brothers are writing and the Lord says, are you going to be a light? This is not the best time to be a leader in Malawi. It's not. Are you going to add on to the fire or you're going to bring light and you're going to bring salt? But here is the consolation. Our God remains the same. Hallelujah. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever will be the same. The words that he speaks to us are the same words that the others held on to in the past. And it's the same word that others will hope on, they will believe on in the future. Because God is the same. God is the only one we can depend on. Because he is dependable. I'm not saying we can figure him out, but I'm just saying it is time for us because our God is dependable. Our God is the one who gives hope in the world. Our God is the one who is the true light and he has given us that responsibility to be the true light of the world. To be ambassadors of Christ Jesus. We are the right people right now to stand up and begin to shine and show the world that this is what it is like to be a people who give hope, to be a unique people. So let's turn to Romans chapter 12 and we're going to read the entire chapter. The Bible says that Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members and they are members and these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him do it, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. 
never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay everyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. And yes, that last verse is in the Bible. Because most of these things that we have read here, you will notice that he is not giving them any option to take it or not. You know how these days we have changed the meaning of the word may. If you want, you may want to. You, you hear this, you may want to, and so on. It's, it's us trying to be safe from, from being direct. But Paul is not giving us that option. He's just saying, do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. Ah, uh, Paul, you don't know where I've been. Some of you are saying, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Are you sure, Paul? You're speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Because we have got to be a unique people. God's mercy has been showered on us due to the disobedience of the Israelites. When we come to chapter 12, verse 1 of Romans, what has been going on in, in the preceding chapters, in chapter 9, is that Paul has been explaining, and the other chapters, he's saying... God had chosen the Israelites to be his people, people who are going to be his, his, uh, his example to the world. But they disobeyed. So God says, okay, I'm going to leave you aside and I'm going to get the Gentiles whom he, he calls the grafted branches. I'm not so sure if you've, you've, you have uh, uh, lemon or orange trees, if, if you have ever grown any of those. But there are times when, when the farmers will, will cut out the lemon br- branch and put an an orange branch there and another fruit comes out, a totally different fruit comes out. That's what God has done with us. We didn't deserve to be shown mercy. But because the Israelites disobeyed, he decides, okay, I'm going to take in now the Gentiles and I'm going to show them my love. And there's this whole discussion to say, okay, so that means Israel is doomed and so on. He says, no, 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 no. In the end, all Israel will be saved. That's what's happening in, 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 in chapter 9 from verse 25 all the way to verse, verse 36. He says, oh, Israel will be saved. Don't worry about it. But it's just that the time for the fulfillment of the Gentiles has not come. Has not been reached this fulfillment. There will come a time when all Israel will be saved. Hallelujah. And he says, all this is because of the mercy of God. God didn't have to engraft us into his family. He had, he had already picked a family in the Israelites. You and I did not have to be taken into the family of God. But by his mercy, 
he took us in all the same. That's the mercy when he says, therefore I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, that he saved us whom he didn't need to save. Because the salvation was first to the Jews. Okay? But he suspended that and he said, okay, because they are being snobbish, I'm going to go and get everybody else. And I'll deal with you later. That's what God has done. So we can't stand here and, and begin, begin to be also so, so proud about it, so condescending to the Jews and so on. Paul says, no, 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 no. In view of God's mercy, in view of the fact that you are the ones who have been shown love, but you didn't need to see to show you love. In view of that, you know you're just an engrafted branch. In view of that, then Paul begins to write to say, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer yourself as, 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 a, as a, your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, if we are going to be a unique people, then there's the first thing we need to understand. We need to have unique thinking. Everything starts there, the way we think. This one says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace of God, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. You need to understand that the world has a particular way of thinking. There's a pattern. Those of you who, who are tellers, you know what patterns are like. Or those of you who are designed, you know that, that there are patterns of, of different kinds. There's a certain trend, there's a certain trajectory on the way the world thinks. And Paul is telling us that you, we should not conform to the pattern of that world in the way we think. The way you think has got a source. Did you know that? The way you think has got a source. You learned from it somewhere. You learned from it somewhere. You may not think about it, but, but come to think about it. God has given us brains so that we can think. And the families we were born in, we were taught how to think about things. The schools we've gone to, they've, they've tried to teach us to, to think about things. Let me give you an example. You walk into a shop, and this is Sometimes I indulge uh, some members of my family and we go window shopping. Okay? So you go there. Really, it's an indulgence. I really have to decide to, to, to do that. And so we go and we're looking at things. Just on Friday, I was with one member of the family. We were looking at laptops and so on. And I saw this really nice laptop. I'm like, oh, wow, this is the one. If I had to. That's the whole point with window shopping, right? If I had to, I would get this one. And it was 1.2 million something something. Laptop, really good. People, it's really good. Don't look at me like that. It's really good. Good laptop. In the past, I would go, I can't afford it. 
which is what most of us would do. Would say, I can't afford it. But I learned through a book one time when I was reading, this guy says when he goes to a shop or when he sees a car that he wants and, and, and he, he, he says, you know, I've got a very expensive taste. So he saw this Porsche one day and, um, and he said, I would really love that car. And, and he was telling his dad, he says, I really love that car. I would want to have that car. And his dad says, you can't afford it. Then he met somebody else's dad and he was telling them, you know, I would really love to own a Porsche, but I can't afford it. And that, that, that man said, no, you're asking, you, you've said the wrong thing. You're thinking differently. I think what you should do is to ask yourself a question. How can I afford it? When you ask that question, your mind kicks into gear and you begin to think of ways of how you can find money, earn money to afford what, what you want. So his way of doing it was he found somebody was selling a block of flats. He went to the bank. <laughs> uh, he, he, he told this guy, I'm, I'm interested in these flats and so on and so forth. They did a contract. Then he took that contract, went to the bank, got money, bought that uh, block of flats. And then he refurbished it and had people move in and were renting it. And he said, within about six months, I bought the Porsche. It was in a very expensive part of, of, of Los Angeles. You see how it works? It, just from one question, moving from I can't afford it to how can I afford it, changes everything. So, the way you think has got a source. And Paul is telling us here, he says, I want you to understand that you need to renew your mind. Don't think the way the world thinks. That is superior to the way God, that, that is inferior to the way God thinks. You need to think the way God thinks. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are wiser than your thoughts. So Paul is saying, think the way God thinks. Everything about you, base it on the word of God. And renew your mind. Because the truth is, when we receive Jesus Christ, our minds are not born again. It is our spirits that are born again. Amen? So we need to continually renew our minds with the word of God. So the source of your thoughts should be God's word. You are who the word of God says you are. That's the truth. Not what you think you are, but what the word of God says you are. Hallelujah. So the question becomes, how much time do you spend being in the word of God? When a parent says, these children are a burden, you really don't, you haven't read the word. Because the word of God says that they are a gift. Paraphrase, children are the message you send to the next generation. How can they be a burden? I think it's Psalm 127 that talks about it. So you, you begin to look at your children differently. They are not a terror. It's just a phase. They'll go through. Everything will be fine. Amen? Change your thinking according to the word of God. We have to reach a point where you ask yourself, why do I go to church? Why does the word of God require me to meet with other believers in fellowship? It shouldn't be about the things you want primarily. It should be about what the word of God says about you fellowshipping with others. 
you begin to change like that and God will surprise you with what he will do in your life. Hallelujah. Some, some, some things that go around that we have picked up is uh, uh, the, the, the thinking that in Chichewa they say, Mamuna and Mwana. Okay. A husband is just like a child. No. That's not what the word of God says. It's not. It's a lie. Hallelujah, sisters. Yeah. I'm attacking the mind to saying, look, Either we go with what the word the words the, the world says or what the word of God says. Because in here is a blessing. There was a time I used to think I had my marriage all worked out. I know what is needed, I know what to do when and, and all those things. I, I it didn't work. It wasn't working. In fact, it was crashing. Until one day it hit me. After over ten years of being married. I realized, no, God is the one who started this thing. He knows how it should be run. He knows my role as a husband. Now, this wasn't about whether she starts or not. God just said, you, you begin. This is your role. And I reached a point where I said, you know what? The truth is, my way hasn't worked. God's way has to work because he's the one who started this thing. So I will go. God's way. Uh, no, I don't always get it. Sometimes God has to knock me on my head a few times, but, I, but I'm learning. And it's better. Amen? amen? Oh, I can tell you, it's better. She said amen, so I'm safe. <laughs> but that is the challenge. Work, for example. Most of us have got a negative attitude towards the work that we do. Whether it's in business, whether it is in the jobs that we are in. Negative. But when you look at what the word of God says about work, we should embrace work. Hallelujah. We talked about the other time. But it's a continuous learning process. Basing our thought process on the word of God. Because his ways are higher than the world's ways. His ways are much, his thoughts are wiser. Hallelujah. So the source of your thoughts should be the word of God. You will prove, when you begin to do that, you will prove that God's will is good. When you put it into practice, you will begin to prove that God's will is good. You will begin to think like God and this is what he wants for us to think like him. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16. The Bible says in the last part, it says we have the mind of Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23 says the same thing about renewing your mind based on the word of God. Because remember, we are ambassadors of Christ. An ambassador is a representation of their country in a different country. So if you live here and go to the American embassy, you are in the United States of America. They will talk like they're in the United States of America. They will do things like they are in the United States of America. When you meet the ambassador, he will, he would, he will be representing President Joe Biden. Okay? That's what it means to be an ambassador. We had an opportunity to interact with, with, uh, with the, the Israeli ambassador. As far as they were concerned, they were representing 
Israel. And the truth of the matter is, he was representing the prime minister of Israel. No matter, they might be small, they might be short, they might be whatever it is you don't like about them, but they were representing the state of Israel. Hallelujah. So, we need to be a people who think like God, who represent, we are the representation of God. In everything that we do. And also, the Bible says in, in, in verse 3, he says that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but rather think of ourselves with sober judgment. No room for pride. Do not allow pride in your life. Because, don't you know, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. James chapter 4 verse 6. Don't, don't let pride come in. And it is very easy to be proud these days. Very, very easy. We, we see it all the time. And even for believers, we are falling into the trap. The pride of life is creeping in. Especially with social media. I, you, see, you see these things sometimes. You know, somebody's in churches during worship. And they take a selfie and they post it on. And they say it was great in church today. We are seeing these things. Your child gets selected to that school. Click, leaving my little one. Oh, may the Lord be praised. The pride of life. Someone wrote not long ago, they said, what happened to Jenny Messes, oh Lord, since Corona hit? You know, they'll be saying, and Johannesburg, thank you for Jenny Messes, Lord. And you would actually know, right now they're in Nairobi. They have landed in Addis. This person is going to Germany at such such a hotel because you're busy being proudful, showing off. All that corona taken away. Nobody writes those anymore. Because all we are doing is driving from Lilongwe to Blantyre. What's there to show for? Now in data, it doesn't work. It just doesn't. <laughs> but you get the point. If you allow pride in your life, you are not giving room for God. Instead, you are becoming God's enemy. God opposes the proud. You want to be on God's side. Be humble. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up in due time. He wants to lift you up, but not the way you you are doing it. So all these things are things that we have to change our mindset. And these are the things that we've gone through these things. One time, some years ago, my wife looked at my Facebook profile. She kept looking, she kept looking. She says, the person you are on Facebook is not the one I live with. This one is fake. And uh, it was hard. You know, when your wife says something like that to you, you're the man in the house and uh, pride, eh? Pride pride is struggling and, and so on. And then we come to church. And that day, I don't know what happened with pastor. He blasted us about posting things on Facebook. I was like, God, I'll give up. Because now there are two witnesses. You look at my Facebook profile now, it's different. I had to delete a lot of stuff. And when you are a leader, it matters what you write. When you are influential, it matters what you write. When God 
says you are the light. You don't even have to be a pastor or a leader. But, but just because you are a Christian, you are light. It matters what you say, what you post. Hallelujah. So be very, very, very careful. If it is being lifted up, don't worry. God has got that in the works. He will do it in due time. Right now, just humble yourself. So, I've learned that when you change your thinking, you change your life. Everything about your life is about the way you think. Everything about your life is, the way, is about the way you think. You change your thinking, you change your life. When the change of that thinking is coming from the word of God... Ah, your life will change exponentially. Amen? Your life will change exponentially. The change will be so noticeable that the people that you interact with will have no choice but acknowledge it. One time my wife asked us in the car, we were driving somewhere, she asked, she said, am I changing? So we were like, yeah, these days you are more, you're, you're gentle and you're that and that and that. And we were talking about how she has changed over the years and she just made a decision. I'm going to change. I will allow God to change me. I hope they will say the same thing about me. I'm scared to ask that question. But we need to do these things. But a decision by just one person to say, I will change. You'll be amazed how many other things will follow suit. You'll be amazed. So change the way you think and your life will also change. The word of God is there for us as to, 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 to direct us, to guide us, to encourage us towards being the kind of people we should be. God begins to see at work, uh, his word at work in our life and he begins to see that there are tools to work with. Spend time in the word of God. Read it, study it, meditate on it. Hide it in your heart so that you may not sin against the Lord. The word of God is the, is the spirit's sword. That's what Ephesians chapter 6 says. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. Amen? So the more you put the word of God in your life, God has got something to work with in your life. And studying the Bible, meditating the word on the word is not something anyone else is going to do for you. It is something that you have to do. You. Nobody else is going to do that for you. We have to develop a unique way of thinking. That's all I'm saying. And that thinking has to be based on the word of the, on the word of God. So, when you begin to do that, God will surprise you. And you watch what he begins to do in your life. Amen? Watch what he begins to do. I'm one of those people who... Uh, funerals scare me. They really do. And meeting somebody who is bereaved, it's, it's, it's daunting. Okay? But when you read the word of God and it says, Mourn with those who mourn. You have to obey that. So if someone is bereaved, you have to mourn with them. So I've just learned these days, make an appointment. I'm coming at such, such a time to see you. And I go. And, and, and many times I'm, I'm praying, I'm saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to say to that person. I don't. But here's the thing I've discovered. You don't have to say anything. You don't. Most of the times you just go, you greet and so on. And the person, most of the times on their own, they begin to tell you about 
their experiences and so on. Just that talking alone is a big ministry to whoever you're visiting. You just, at the end, you just pray and say, Lord, thank you. I'm praying for your comfort and your healing and so on. And you leave. You think you have done nothing. But to the person who's receiving that, it means a whole lot. Amen? So, you base it on the word of God. Don't go out of Chikaridwe or just do it. Base it on the word of God. And you see what God will begin to do in your life. Get in the study of, in the habit of studying the word of God. Learning the word of God. Speak the word of God. When you pray, pray the word of God. Do the word of God. Everything has to have its source from the Bible. Amen? From the Bible. Base it on the Bible. And you will see the amazing things that God will do in your life. We have, number one, to develop a unique way of thinking. Unique in the sense that it's based on the word of God. If we have time, we'll look at Romans chapter 12 uh, later on. But if we don't, you begin to notice that the things I was pointing out. Do not return evil for evil. You think that is simple. Maybe because you are in Christ. But there are people I know who have sworn, I will never visit his house because of what he did for me. What he did to me. Please just forgive. He says, you don't know what you're saying. Don't go there. But God challenges us. You cannot let the root of bitterness grow in your life and you hope to experience God at the same time. Hebrews chapter 12. No way. Either you forgive that person or you miss out on your fellowship with God. You decide. So, you just learn to forgive and let go. Here's the interesting thing. When you forgive, God begins to heal you. Amen? He begins to heal you. The things I'm telling you, I've got tons and tons of examples in my life. And most of this stuff that we struggle with, the, the, the blood pressures and whatnot, it's because of bitterness sometimes. And forgiveness too. Amen? Is that an amen or ouch? <laughs> Either way. But we have, we, we have to begin to think the way God is instructing us to think. If we are going to be a unique people. If we are going to see the grace of God manifest in our lives. Because sometimes, because of our disobedience, we block off the work of the grace of God. And we think God is going to, 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 to force himself in our lives and still work anyway when you're saying to yourself, I will die over my dead body. It's phrases like this. That's where they come from. From bitter people. People who are n- not willing to forgive. And you pay handsomely for that because your relationships are poisoned. We talk about... Um, What's the phrase? Poisonous relationships. There are some people you are with and all they are talking is bitterness. It's bitterness. You try bringing something, it's bitterness. It's bitterness. It, it's, you don't want to be around such people. And if you are one, that such kind of person, you just wonder why people don't want to be with you. It's hard being around bitter people. It really is. It takes a lot of faith to 
Go back there. <laughs> you want to be with people who will build you up. People who will speak into your life things that will give you more steam for the next mile. Th- those are the kind of people you want to be with. But if we do not change our mindset, it will not work. I've told you of a story of, of, of how there was a lady who became my father's other wife. And how she didn't, she, 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 it, it, it was just a very toxic relationship between me and her. And I was the believer. She didn't know the Lord, so maybe it's expected of her. But, but God spoke to me one day. She, he challenged me, said, you either forgive this person or you continue suffering. And I had to. This is a person that I, I there was a point I reached. I said, God, I would want to kill this woman. It was that toxic a relationship. Both ways. It's not that I was the better. But God had to say, you forgive her and you move on. Because you will not return evil for evil. By the way, you too have got these issues in this, in this whole thing. I made that decision a year later she passed on. But to, to reach a point where you are saying, I'm forgiving this lady... Although she's one of she's the reason my parents broke up, that that takes a different kinds of thinking. But I want to challenge you. You do what God's word says, He will give you the grace enough for you to go through with it. And the benefit of you receiving healing after it's done. Think differently. If it's something you can't afford, begin to ask yourself, how can I afford it? And watch the creativity that comes into your brain. It's amazing. Number two, if we aren't going to be a a, a unique people, number one, you're going to have to have unique thinking based on the word of God. Number two, you need to have a unique body. (laughs) Now, by body, I'm not talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about body. This body. Okay? Okay? Unique body. Look at verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 rather. He says, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your what? Bodies. I even looked it up in the Greek. It means the same thing. It means this one. The the one you shower, the one you feed, the one you dress. That's the body. So he's saying, I want you to, to, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. God wants to use our lives in this body. Amen? Amen. Which tells me something. Your body is not a mistake. Look at Psalm 139 later on. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You feel like you're, you're too thin, you should be called a stick. No, 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 no. God is going to use you in that body. You feel like you're overweight. It's okay. God is going to use you in that body. Amen? No, I just don't have the the perfect bust size. It's okay. Just take care of it. Hallelujah. Uh, The things that people worry about, you'll be surprised. These bodies, you'll be surprised. If you can change something, change it by all means. But I'm just saying, accept That this body that you have right now, the one you are wearing right now, God wants to use it. 
He wants you to present it to him so that he can use it. Now this brings a challenge. He wants our bodies holy. Be holy for I am holy. Now what does it mean to be holy? It's, it means to, to be set apart. It means you are physically pure and morally blameless. You are physically pure and morally blameless. You are set apart. You are unique. So let me ask you a few questions regarding your body. What do you eat? Does it nourish your body? Why do you eat what you eat? Because most of the stuff we're eating these days is preservatives and we were not eating really good food, to be honest. I want to, 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 to challenge you. Next time you, you, you get a soft drink or next time you're going to go for biscuits, read on the ingredients what is in there. You discover, hey, we're just eating a lot of energy. Most of the times. A lot of pesticides, a lot of whatnot, contaminated food chain and so on. And we, 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 we're doing injustice to our bodies. So maybe we need to learn about nutritious food to take care of our bodies because the food is the fuel, right? I hope you know that. You are what you eat. The food is the fuel. A few weeks ago, I fell off the wagon, was just eating anyhow, and my weight went, went back up. You know, it's easy to gain weight. Very easy. I, I can gain two kgs in the next week. Very easy. I just have to eat everything. Okay? But to lose one kg, oh boy, you walk, you run, you jog, you go to the gym, you go to the, to the scale after one week and you have lost half a kg. It's hard. So be careful. Oh boy. Do we do physical work? Our bodies are built for work. Do, do we do physical work? Do we at least exercise our bodies? We need to be fit. How much sleep do you give to your body? No, pastor, the Bible says a little rest, a little folding on the hands and, and, and poverty will hit on you like, like a bandit. Yes, but it is also the same God who gave us that body. And they tell us in, in, in medical terms that we need at least minimum seven to eight hours of sleep if you are an adult. Because you just need to learn what happens in your body when you sleep. The restoration, the rejuvenation, the healing that happens when you sleep at night. Seven to eight hours. We can forgive those who do 10, 14 hours and they are still in their teens. We still forgive you. But later on, it's got to be seven to eight hours. Take care of your body. If you are those, as old as I am, you remember the, the, the nuclear uh, accident in Russia, Chernobyl. Google it up. The nuclear, uh, I think it was a nuclear plant that exploded in Russia, Chernobyl. It was simply because the people were overworked. We have heard of, of medical personnel who have forgotten tools inside their patients on the operating table because they were overworked. They weren't resting enough. A British Airways plane lost as much as 20,000 feet in height because the windscreen just... They were flying there, you know? Up there, they were flying. 
and the, one of the windscreens just blew off. Almost took the captain with them had the co-pilot not held his hand. And they dropped down and anyway, he survived. He went back to flying. But when they investigated, they discovered why did the windshield just get off like that? Why, why did it just pop off like that? They discovered that that windshield was replaced that very same day. And when they went to the records, they discovered that the one who worked on that was one of the best engineers of British Airways. One of the best engineers of British Airways. He says, I I did the work and it's all locked. They said, no, there's something wrong. A windshield just doesn't go like that, especially on a plane. And it's pressurized. Then they discovered something. The guy who worked at the stores where he gives the spare parts when they are maintaining planes... That guy, he had to leave his home at 8 p.m., go through rush hour, get to his work an hour later. I guess that's why they call it rush hour. He's, which means he's at the office by 9, right? So he starts working on planes. He had worked on three planes, that guy, giving um, spare parts and everything. By the time they were coming for the boards for this plane, this guy was tired. He was just tired. And in that process, you know, if you are yawning and you are looking for the parts, he gives him this guy parts that were a size smaller. And that prompted a whole study and also a change on these kinds of jobs which rely on shifts. To say you can only work for so long. You can only work night shift for maybe two days, then you rest another day, and so on and so forth. How much sleep do you give to your body? Because God wants to use that body. In your relationships, in your morality, how do you live? Are you faithful to your wife only? Are you faithful to your husband only? Are you still keeping yourself for the one who's going to marry you or the one you're going to marry. Do you give your body junk that destroys it or you give it good food that will build it up? Because the truth of the matter is that the body that we have is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So our bodies are vessels the Lord has given us for his glory. When we go back to the beginning, man had the perfect body, which God made. And he saw that it was good. Hallelujah. So in Christ, God is going and he does restore our bodies. And the Bible tells us that we are going to have glorified bodies. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 40 tells us, there are also heavenly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of earthly bodies is another. Bottom line, take care of your body and use it to God's glory. That is why there are certain places we don't go. And we don't do what they do in certain places. It's not because we can't. It's because we have chosen to use our bodies for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? That's why there are certain things we don't eat or drink. Hallelujah. If I come to your home and you put wine before me, you have, mo- you have lost it. We've lost it. Because I've decided, no, no alcohol. 
for me no alcohol trust me i've been there it doesn't help makes me silly you wouldn't believe it so that one is a no no for me maybe not because of the bible but i've just decided i'm not going to be silly again because of something i drank take care of your body amen start walking 10 minutes a day these days you know with all these things we we <laughs> we walk in the yard after about 30 minutes we'll have done about 3 kilometers or up to 3 kilometers or something just just walk you'll be amazed what will happen to your body you are amazed you'll be amazed how energetic you will be but don't 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 do exercises you're trying to lose weight and after that exercise you go home egg uh, be- breakfast is egg and bacon you 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 shoot yourself in the foot I remember this is a true story. I remember one time uh, some people came we had a we had an outreach and people came and were praying for people people receiving Christ there were healings and so on and I was ministering to, I, I was I was helping this guy he's an apostle he, he I was helping this guy and one of the brothers came and says you know I have gout so he says gout there's nothing the lord will not heal so he prayed for this guy and said you are healed he says yes actually I feeling the pain is gone and so on and then the apostle who's not from malawi by the way didn't even know this guy and he's about to go to the next one he says wait a minute you love meat that's what the lord is telling me stop eating meat or you'll be back for more prayer i'm not going to give you that prayer <laughs> so let's stop shooting ourselves in in our in our, in our feet if we are going to take care of our bodies let's take care of our bodies let's not go back to doing the things that destroy our bodies and then we come back to the lord and then we say i need more healing and i mean come on god needs your body he needs fit people to go and minister the gospel he needs fit people to to do things that he wants his people to do so take care of your body you you have a unique body you are not an accident amen you are uniquely made you are wonderful They tell me that your blood vessels the, the, the length of your blood vessels in your in your body you can go to the moon and back how many times Ah he's not looking but I was looking for that you can go to the moon and back but all that is packed up in here can you imagine how amazing you are in your body Amen God had a reason so take care of that body and the final point Number 1 we said you need to have unique thinking that is based on the word of God. Number 2 you, you you have a unique body take care of it use it to the glory of God. Amen. On this point wagalamba saf wafuna you know Sarah was over 90 and she still looked good and Abimelech had was thinking. You know Abimelech was thinking you know what I mean eh? Yeah. But she was old. But he was still thinking. You can still look good in your old age if you take care of your body. You can still do a lot of things in your old age if you take care of your body. Joshua, 80 years old, was it 85? He called brother. Thank you. He goes and he says, this is what was promised to me, this land, this mountain. I want to go and get it. I would have said no 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 uh Caleb, maybe what we'll do is we'll put together the best seal team. to go and do the job for you he says no i'm going to go 85 years old he goes sword in hand gets his inheritance 85 
he puts most of the teenagers to shame here. Not to mention some of us who will not tell you the numbers of our ages. But it is a possibility. Number three, unique lifestyle. So from verse four, all the way to the end, it's talking about unique lifestyle. And this is the light that God has put in the world. I want you to see, first and foremost, that we are all part of God's family. We need each other and we play different roles in the family of God. It says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. There are people who can teach the word better than I'm doing. In this room. Did you know that? So, I better not think myself highly than I ought. There are people who can preach better than me in this room. But I have to realize that everyone has got a different role to play. Hallelujah. Man. There are some people you will never see up here in front, but they are very influential. They are doing things in the background. In fact, they don't want to come up here. All you get is a message. Pastor, I was thinking. That's how they start. Pastor, I was thinking. At church. And I couldn't even see it. None of us could see it. But somebody else sees it. If I'm too full of myself, I would say, no, God would have rather speak to me if I am your leader. Okay? God appointed me as your lead pastor. So he has to speak to me and I have to say, go and do X, Y, Z. If we begin to think like that, we have lost it. We recognize that God has placed different gifts in each and every one of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Each and every one of you has got a gift. Some of you may not know it. It's okay. Start exploring and say, you know, I don't know my gift. Then we'll see what to do. But eventually you have to. Because the gift that you have, God has given it for the common good. Amen? So let's, let's think of each other, of ourselves rather, with, with sober judgment. And let's recognize that we need each other. That's all from verse 4 to verse 8. If you are the one who prophesy, prophesy. If you are one of those people who teach, teach. If you preach, preach. Amen? If you're one of those who encourage, encourage. Encourage people. Give them a call. Write them a message. Send them one of your favorite songs or something. It's a role you're playing in church, in the body of Christ. And that is needed, especially at this point in time. People are afraid. People are scared. And people are ready to listen to the word of God right now. Take that opportunity. Verse 9. It says, love must be sincere. If there's one thing I continue to ask God for is, let us be a sincere people, one to another. That when I say, I prayed for you, it is a prayer that comes out of sincerity. That when I come to your home and I had bought bananas on the road, you will not suspect anything. You know, there are sometimes you come back home and they tell you, oh, pastor came and he gave, he, he brought, uh, he bought, uh, cabbage on his way from Blanta. And you begin to say, pastor who? <laughs> pastor McDuff, how much cabbage did you bring? And you're looking at that cabbage and you say, uh huh, okay. Thank 
No suspicion. May we develop a sincere love for each other. That when it comes, you are thinking to yourself, oh, when I go to the north, I'll, I'll bring him beans from gender. Out of sincerity. The Bible says, outdo one another in love. Hallelujah. Outdo one another in love. Let's show love to one another in all sincerity. Even if it's a competition, it's fine. God is looking for that. Because when that happens, several other things begin to happen. We'll see. Verse 14. I'm just, I've just picked up a few. It says, bless those who persecute you and, and uh, bless and do not curse. There's a lot that's been going around and I've seen people speak things in anger. I've seen people speak things that are unbelievable for the people of God to speak. But the Bible is challenging us, saying we are the body of Christ. We serve each other. At this time where we seem to be in a particular kind of darkness, almost coming in in wave after wave after wave after wave, God is calling us not to be a curse to somebody else, but to be a blessing. Hallelujah. That's the kind of community that we should be. Rejoice with those who rejoice. If God breaks through in the life of somebody and finally they have got the job that they've been looking for, rejoice with them. Tell them, I thank God that he has come through for you. Where you're still praying. I thank God that he has come through for you. I thank God and I am happy for you. Sincerely, I am happy for you. And may God bless you and take you places. Amen. Now you can go back and say, God, I'm waiting for what you have done for Because me too, I want things to work well for me. Hallelujah. We all have different timelines. We have different timelines. Different timelines. And when God is going to surprise you, it's not up to you. It's up to God. In the meantime... You just continue living this lifestyle that is so radical. Where you are not proud, but you are willing to associate with people of low position. Where you are not conceited. Amen? You know, things happen in life. Where you think you have reached the pinnacle of success. But as they they sang... You always need somebody. Even if it is the man who opens the gate at your home, you need them. Amen? You do. Associate with people of low position. Don't be too proud that you can't you can't talk to the ones that you think are of low position. Because one time, a time will come when you need them. I remember pastor was sharing and saying, you know, last year, last year, the people, <coughs> and we did a kind of a, a survey to say who last year went for the demonstrations. Very few hands came, went up. In, in this room, it was a different group. But you know, the ones that you think are of low position, they became famous. Barracks. 
they were the ones hiring lollies all the way from there into town fighting for all our rights. Ordinarily, you wouldn't just live and go to Nsunde unless it's your home or it's your village. You wouldn't. But these are the guys who would live and go there. Hmm. So, associate with people of low positions. You never know. You never know what God will do in this one's life. They better have a better memory for you, of you. They better have a good memory that I met this man, I know him. It's okay. Hallelujah. The Bible continues to talk about not repaying anyone evil for evil, but do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Let, let God do, work out the vengeance things. You, you are outdoing one another in love. Even to those who are difficult to love. Because you know there are some people who are difficult to love. You know that. There are people who are difficult to love. You tell them I'm praying for you. They say don't waste your time. (laughs) There are those people. You keep going. One day the love of God will change their lives. Amen. Amen. Verse 18. If it is possible as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everybody. If it is possible. Because there are times when you try to make peace and they don't want to. There are people you go to and you say, you know what? That issue that happened. I've come and I'm asking for forgiveness. And they say, this you are the one who messed up. So what is that to me? And most of us are held in bondage because someone has, has said they have not forgiven us. But the Bible says, as far as it depends on you. Okay? As far as it depends on you. There was one time, I remember there was was somebody I wronged. Okay? There was somebody I wronged. And God got to me and said, you need to go back and and, and ask for forgiveness. Apologize and ask for forgiveness. (laughs) Oh boy, that was hard. You know, especially when you are convinced you are right. Like there's the, in that argument or whatever altercation that happened, you were convinced that there's the right side, then there's your side. The other person is not even in the picture. God said, you go back, you apologize and you ask for forgiveness. So I made an appointment with this lady and I went and I said, I'm sorry, you know, uh, this is what happened and I did this and it was wrong and um, God has spoken to me, has challenged me and, you know, the truth is I was really... I was wrong, and I heard you, and I'm asking you for your forgiveness. He says, hmm. That was the whole point of this meeting. I said, yes. Mm-hmm. That's between you and your God. For me, everything remains the same. End of meeting. And I went back to my room, and I was like, oh boy, what do I do? shared this with a brother, and I said, you know, I went, and this is what happened, and so on and so forth. He says, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Did you do everything that as far as it depends on you? I said, yes. He says, it's okay, go, you're fine. And up to this day, that lady has never ever said, I've forgiven you back, or I've accepted your apology. Up to this day. But I rest 
in the fact that the word of God said, as far as it depends on you, I've, di- I've done my part. I'm free. That kind of lifestyle is unique, people. Because there are some of us, even in our families, there are homes you don't go to because you have said, hey, that home. Amen? People have wronged you. They don't like you. And they, they are not even decent enough not to show that they don't like you. They show that they don't like you. Happened in my life. There was a time when life was hard. You know, when life is hard, you really know who your friends are. When life is hard, you really know who your friends are. I remember there was a time, you know, (laughs) things were really hard. Like hard. You understand? They don't have another word for it. So it's a hard. When you just hear, hey, so-and-so is married. Ah, but we didn't know. You, we didn't, you weren't told. You didn't send us the invite. Oh, there was an engagement. And, and you, we, are, we are wondering with my wife, what's happening? Things are happening around. People seem to know except you and me. But then I, reali- I remember, I realized, I learned a few things. And I said, you know what, my wife? When things begin to look like they are working, in you'll be surprised with the number of invites. So that time, we were running a, a car hire business. And so we started with two cars and then added on three and so on. All of a sudden, uh, you know, so-and-so is getting engaged. So your name was proposed as chair of the transport committee. I said, ah. Mm. <laughs> I said, Lord, was it that bad? That's people. Things would be discussed and decided and you have no clue what has happened. You, you just zokutait by the time you show up. But you know, God challenged me. He said, you, you, don't, you don't live like that. When they need you, help them. And help them wholeheartedly. Amen? And through that, I'm beginning to see changes. In my relationship with some, some of my relatives, I'm beginning to see changes. They're beginning to see, ah, this guy, I think, no, it, that was wrong. They're not telling me, but you can see the way we relate now. So don't repay evil for evil. It's a unique lifestyle. So three things. Number one, you develop a unique mind, mindset, a unique way of thinking. Number two, your body is unique. Live unique. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of it. Glorify God with it. Number three, live a unique lifestyle. A lifestyle of service. I am telling you right now, right now, with the way things are, just a message to somebody and say, I am checking on you. How are you doing? You'll be amazed. And people saying, hey, no, we are fine. You know, we are fine. You know, we were sick, eh? You know, and you're like, no, I didn't know. Let them talk. Let them talk and say, I'll be praying for you. And make that list and pray for them as well. Tell them, I've been praying. I thought of you. You'll be amazed how many people you start ministering to. Some of them don't even know the Lord. But you, who, who knows what seed you are planting for the future? That one day they are going to say, there was a day Mike called me out of the blues. 
Let me call Mike back. And we begin, we begin to become the salt and the light of the earth, of the world. In these times that we're living in. Hallelujah. That's what I mean by unique lifestyle. In this place, in this time where things are in a constant flux, there's, there's always something changing, something that brings fear, that brings uncertainty. Are the schools going to open again? Are they not? And all these things, you'd be amazed how people are looking for answers. And I've realized God has placed us here for such a time as this one. Amen? For such a time as this one. Somebody just messaged me and said, Pastor, how are you? I said, I'm fine. Are you resting? I said, no, I'm not resting. <laughs> he said, why? I said, well, I've, I've, I've been getting a lot of messages. So-so has passed on. What do we do? And, and so on and so forth. And as a pastor, you know, sometimes you, want, you also want to rest. Eh? Yeah, but these are the people whom you are ministering to. Do you, do you say, Abanobo, I'm resting? Eh? Someone has called you. So-and-so is sick. I am scared um, because things are not looking good. Do you say, uh, let's talk tomorrow? You, <laughs> you can't. You know? So I was telling this guy, I said, these are the things I've had to deal with and so on. He says, oh, I hear you, Pastor. Then he told me, okay, what I want you to do is every day do this and do this on your phone. <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing it. The guy ministered to me. Amen? Amen? And I remember him up to now because things have changed. I'm, I'm able to, to handle the things that are going on. Because when I say pastor, I'm not just talking about... The, the, the person I was talking to is not even a member of KICC. But the wisdom they shared with me has helped me in terms of how to minister during this time. So who knows... What your call will do in somebody else's life. Who knows where God is going to, what, what God is going to do with that action. That thoughtful action. Amen? So, just about everything that is described from verse 4 to the end describes a community that sounds to be too good to be true. Isn't it? People who are forgiving each other, uh, persevering with one another, now, that means someone is being difficult if you have to persevere with them. But that persevering with one another is, is unique. Because the way the world thinks, when they have had enough of somebody, they'll say, Will you strong again? Did he That's the world. But God doesn't give up on anybody. And he expects us to, 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 to continue Continue on and, and hope that this person, everything is going to, to go well. So, my point is, as we devote ourselves one to another and worship the Lord, our light and our favor, the saltiness will increase. Amen? Then the magic happens. When we love one another, those who are not in the family begin to draw closer. Where there is love, people notice and they draw closer. It happens all the time. And we'll have the opportunity to share the word of God with them. Amen? Amen? Where there is love, people notice. I don't know about you parents, but in my home, where we openly share our affection, <laughs> I noticed when all our children were young, 
I just dare to go and hug their mother. What do they do? They run and they want to be in the middle. They want to be in the middle. They want to be part of this thing. That's just the way we are as people. So, so Jesus says, if you have love one for another, then the world will know that you are my disciples. And, and where there is love, people, people are drawn to it. They don't even have to think about it. You are just drawn to it. And when that happens, God will give us the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Amen. Our uniqueness is the answer that the world is looking for right now. It is our challenge to look for practical ways and shine. Amen? We need to shine in a world that is fearful. In a world that seems to see darkness all over the place. Just to cushion the effects of the coronavirus, most governments are printing a lot of money which is backed by nothing. It's worthless. It's becoming more and more worthless. And those who are in the know are concerned. And there are fears going around. People are hurting. But here we are, a unique people. When everybody is busy slinging mud at each other, snuffing out each other's lights, let us not curse the darkness. Let us be the light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. The whole chapter that is challenging us to be unique because we are getting our source from you. You are challenging us, O oh God, to be a people who live well, who live properly recognizing that our bodies are the temple of the Spirit of God. I pray, O oh God, that as we move on to live a unique lifestyle, being the sort you have called us to be, open for us, O oh God, opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Help us, O oh God, to dispel the fears that people have in their lives with your word. Everything, O oh God, we are praying, as it is working out for your good, O oh Lord, that a mighty revival and a harvest of souls shall be unleashed upon this land. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Um, are there any that have brought the tithe? Any that have brought the tithe? Just slip up your, your 